As I preach today, I would like you to imagine the Reverend Carol Duncan standing here in this space. Because she wrote this sermon, unfortunately, our icy roads delivered her to a snowdrift instead of to St. Martin's. And so she is at home, but she sent us her sermon, and I am honored to read it today on this feast day of Absalom Jones. Let us pray. Set us free, Holy One, to embrace the reconciling love and true freedom set before us in the life of your servant and friend, Absalom Jones. Please be seated. I pray Absalom's collect hard, honoring the man who rose from enslavement to become the first African-American priest in the Episcopal Church. I pray in repentance as a white person and in gratitude for the example set before us of a saintly life lived in this city of Philadelphia. I begin with Absalom's knowledge of slavery as he described it in a sermon on the occasion when the overseas slave trade was ended. To slaves, no morning or evening sun ever discloses a single charm. Even domestic endearments were scarcely known to them. All was misery. All was grief. All was despair. But this January 1, 1808, was the beginning of a change. Absalom continued the sermon, saying, God has heard the prayers that have ascended from the hearts of his people. And he has, as in the case of his ancient and chosen people, the Jews, come down to deliver our suffering countrymen from the hands of their oppressors. He came down into the United States when they declared in the Constitution, which they framed in 1788, that the trade in our African fellow men should cease in the year 1808. The message of my sermon today is that I join the Reverend Absalom Jones in comparing his people, previously enslaved persons of African descent, to God's chosen people, Israel. I find God's words spoken through Isaiah to be true in both cases. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. I wonder if you here today can see God's call in us, to us, in the story of Absalom's life. When Absalom was born in 1746, this country was a colony of England. People in both countries generally accepted that wealth enabled white people to own black people. 
Absalom, was born enslaved on a farm in Delaware. As a small child, he worked in its fields. When he was eight years old, his master, Abraham Wincoop, brought Absalom into the big house to serve his family. Visitors would give him pennies when he asked them for help learning to read. He was thus able to acquire a speller and then a testament. By his fondness for books, he says, I escaped many evils and also saved my money. When Absalom was 17, the master's son, Benjamin, sold the farm and Absalom's mother and six siblings. The Wincoops moved to Philadelphia and purchased a dry goods business in which Absalom worked the rest of his life. In Philadelphia, all of them went to church at St. Peter's, which is where Absalom met his wife, Mary. They all lived through the revolution in the city that became the capital of a newly freed country. Absalom was able to work for himself at night. He saved enough money to pay off the debt he owed on Mary's freedom, then to purchase a house and land for his family. Finally, in 1784, Benjamin Wincoop, by now a vestry member of Christ Church, manumitted him. Absalom named himself Jones at that time as a sign of his free American identity. Absalom began worshiping at St. George's Methodist Church, where he became a lay preacher. Richard Allen worshiped and preached there too. Together in 1787, they founded the Free African Society as a non-denominational mutual aid society. Members paid dues to help newly freed slaves and others in need in Philadelphia. In 1793, the two men organized the black community to serve as nurses and attendants during Philadelphia's severe yellow fever epidemic. Absalom wrote about it, Quote, after some consideration, we found a freedom to go forth, confiding in him who can preserve life in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace, sensible that it was our duty to do all the good we could to our suffering fellow mortals. It was very uncommon at this time to find anyone that would go near, much more handle a sick or dead person, Absalom writes. This has been no small satisfaction for us, for we think that when a physician was not attainable, we have been the instruments in the hand of God for saving the lives of some hundreds of our suffering fellow mortals. The band of friends struggled day and night for 70 days to battle yellow fever most people who could left the city, including leaders like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Absalom and his friends labored under the guidance of Dr. Benjamin Rush 
to provide water and medical assistance and to bury the dead and find shelter for orphaned children. Absalom and Richard were accused of charging too much for this work. They published a pamphlet saying, indeed, they took on debt to pay for hearses and coffins that they supplied. Absalom, in the same pamphlet, publicized a testimony from Mayor Matthew Clarkson thanking Absalom and Richard for service to the city. Absalom then appended a plea to slave owners, saying, quote, we do not wish to make you angry, but to excite your attention to how hateful slavery is in the sight of God. We wish you to consider that God himself was the first pleader of the cause of slaves. If you love your children, if you love your country, if you love the God of love, clear your hands of slaves. Burden not your children or your country with them. After the fever subsided, many free blacks joined Absalom and Richard Allen as the integrated St. George's. They helped enlarge its space by building a balcony. When white members voted to segregate the black worshipers to that balcony in 1792, all the blacks marched out. They turned their free Africa society that they had founded five years before into a church and dedicated it as the African Episcopal Church of St. Thomas. At first, it had only white priests. Bishop White in 1794 received St. Thomas into the communion of the Diocese of Pennsylvania as an organized body with control over their local affairs and with Absalom Jones as licensed lay reader. The bishop stipulated that the church could not participate in the diocesan convention. This was not resolved until 1864. In 1795, Bishop White ordained Absalom a deacon. Not until 1802, did he ordain Absalom to the priesthood in a service at Christ Church? Absalom's life, which he was willing to lay down for the good of his people and all people during the yellow fever and throughout his lifetime, calls me out of blindness to systemic privilege that chains me. Absalom helps me see African-Americans living generously under the systemic remnants of their captivity that I often don't perceive, but they do. Absalom knew his people were the people of God. He was forced to minister to them as a separated people. With all they had to overcome, their story entices all of us toward loving relationships and whole communities. Just as the Israelites escaping to freedom and Jesus' small band of disciples facing persecution became identity stories for Absalom Jones, 
So he led his own people to stand as a beacon to the world. Whether we Episcopalians understand the message or not. I hope we do. Amen.